Well, good morning, church. I have good news for you. Anthony has finally agreed to come to Encounter. <laughs> well, my name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter, also pastor of Grace Marriage as well, too. And I want to welcome everyone out. I want everyone watching online as well, too. And again, we just want to celebrate all the moms today and just say thank you, moms, for all that you do. We honor you. We're grateful for you, for what you do for your families, your loved ones, our communities, and this church. I just thought it, it, it would be appropriate if, uh, we just, if I just said a prayer for all the moms before we start. So, Father, I pray a blessing over every mother, every grandmother, every great-grandmother, every nana, nana, future mom, every grieving and hurting mom, every single-parent mom, even every mom with prodigals running far away from them, and most importantly, running as fast and far away from you. Thank you for the special calling and giftedness you've given each and every one of these precious women. I pray that they would know how wide, how deep, and how long your love goes for them. I pray that no matter what the circumstances are, they would know that nothing in all creation could ever separate them from the love that you have for them in Christ Jesus. I pray that you whisper deep within their spirit the words they need to hear so that they'll continue to trust in your word and in your promises. Father, the reality is, is that some days especially Mother's Day, can be very difficult for so many women. We pray for those who grieve today. We ask for your comfort to surround those who weep. We pray for the peace of your presence to cover their minds and thoughts as you remind them that the enemy never has the final say over their lives, over their lives, over their spouses, their children, and grandchildren. You are Lord over every situation, no matter how difficult it may seem. You are healer, and you will never waste the grief that they carry today. You will use all things for good in some way, because nothing is impossible for you. I pray that the power of your love comfort those mothers who are not with loved ones today, because they're no longer with us. I pray for the hounds of heaven to be dispatched on this Mother's Day to chase down every prodigal running away. Send your best, Lord, and do whatever is necessary to change the direction of their running from you to you. I pray for a spirit of confusion to be released on the enemy so that their claws will be released off of each prodigal and turned on each other. I pray this by faith, believing that on this Mother's Day, there'll be so many prodigals coming home that we'll have to have a prodigal parade in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So happy Mother's Day. You never know what you're going to get when Bill's up here. Hey, guys, I think all the moms, you should stand up and give them a standing ovation today. Why don't you stand up, guys? Come on. For all the moms, come on. Absolutely. Good job. Good job, men. Way to go. Well, speaking of running, it was 1973 when I was 13 years old, and I watched what many consider was one of the greatest sporting events ever. Do you recognize this champion? Secretariat. 
Here's what one sports writer wrote about Secretariat. He said, Secretariat generates a crackling tension and excitement wherever he goes. Even in the kind of gray weather that shrouds lesser animals in anonymity, Secretariat's muscular build identifies him immediately. His glowing reddish coat is a banner of health and rippling power. Like Steve Pearson. (laughs) Magnificent enough at rest, when he accelerates, he produces a breathtaking explosion that leaves novices and hardened horsemen alike convinced that for one of those moments that seldom occur in any sport, they have witnessed genuine greatness. On June 9th, 1973, the final race of the Triple Crown in Belmont Park in New York, the American public was humming with excitement for the race that could determine the first Triple Crown winner in 25 years. Secretariat was ready. By the time Secretariat and Turcotte rounded the final corner, they were all alone. I'll never forget the, the announcer, Chick Anderson, telling everyone when he was announcing the race, he's moving like a tremendous machine. And Secretary crushed the competition, not just by 10-20, but 31 lengths to become horse racing's first Triple Crown winner since 1948. A famous Sports Illustrated photo shows Turcotte looking back during the final leg of the race to see the long, empty stretch that Secretariat had opened up between him and his nearest rivals. Isn't that an amazing shot? Now, when Secretariat was put down in October of 1989, after being diagnosed with a painful, incurable hoof condition known as laminitis, medical examiners discovered something incredible. Dr. Thomas Swerzyk, the veterinarian, reported that he found Secretariat's heart weighing between 21 and 22 pounds. He said it was the largest heart he has ever seen in a horse. He says, we were all shocked. He says, I've seen and done thousands of autopsies on horses and nothing I'd ever seen compared to this. The main motor of Secretariat, that tremendous machine, was approximately twice the normal size. No one knew until Secretariat had passed that the secret to his success was an enlarged heart. I'll never forget that day in 1973 when I witnessed the fastest champion with the largest heart. And I just want to tell you today that the secret to having a great marriage is to ask God to give you an enlarged heart. We all need an enlarged heart. So welcome back to our two-week series on grace marriage that Pastor Steve kicked off last week. Uh, while we were at the, we were all at a, as he mentioned last week, at a pastor's conference at the Billy Graham Training Center where Jim Cimbala spoke, Carolyn and I celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. There you go. She's back there in the blue. There you go, Car- Carolyn. Could you please stand up, please? Yes, please. Thank you, Carolyn. I'm in trouble already. But I thank God for her every day. Every day I thank God for saving our marriage. Every day I thank God for the marriage that we have. And I thank God that God is glorified. And and our marriage, I believe, testifies to a lost and dying world that there are no impossible cases, no impossible marriages that God can't fix, that God can't restore. 
That's right. To God be the glory. And we're the most unlikely couple, the most unqualified couple to ever talk about marriage. But we do. Because whenever God redeems someone, he always gives you a go-and-tell message. And we're always going to say yes to whenever God tells us to talk about his greatness. Now, here's a character trait and quality about God that we tend to overlook. Our God is an extremely systematic God that operates with precision intentionality in everything that he does. And while God doesn't need rest, and Psalm 121 verse 4 validates that fact, which says, indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. He values rest. And the Bible says he rested in Genesis 2-3. It said, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And I bring this point to your attention to say this. Even though God rested, it would be impossible for God to get complacent or stagnant. And God doesn't want our marriages or our personal relationships with him to be complacent, stagnant, or get to a dangerous place of even becoming lukewarm. And the two words that I felt God gave me for this message, that he was whispering in my ear to talk about this morning is this question for you. Is your marriage intentional or stagnant? And this message is for everyone, not just marriages. Is your relationship with God intentional or stagnant? So don't check out on me. This is for everyone today. Now, this will be our fourth year of grace marriage, if you count our pilot test run. Now, something that a lot of you didn't know, if you've been to grace marriage before, every year the curriculum changes. Every year it's a new curriculum. And, it, and it's evolving. And I believe that this year's curriculum is the best one. It's edifying, it's uplifting, it's positive, it's fun, and it always comes with a specific theme. And this year's curriculum theme is found in one word, intentionality. It's a big word, intentionality. So you have to be intentional about running to God and asking him to enlarge your heart. See, there's a leaving and cleaving when we leave our parents' house, when we get married. That's what Steve talked about, what he taught us last week. We have to run when we get married from our parents' care and love and house. But many couples get in trouble when they run from God's house. Is what they do, they get in trouble. If my granddaughter Claire was at the first service, wasn't here, she was in childcare, she's just four years old, and she loves, she loves demonstrating her math skills. And she, she would hear, she would say this, one plus one equals two. But even so, she would say one plus one plus one equals one. Even so. She loves doing things like that. But that's what a Christ-centered marriage is all about. It's bringing Jesus at the center. One plus one plus one equals one. And that's the difference between a we marriage as opposed to an I marriage. Steve talked about selfishness last week. Okay. That's an I marriage. God doesn't want us to have an I marriage where it's all about me, me, me. He wants us to have a we marriage with him at the center, a we marriage where we're just one. You know what? To have a we marriage, you got to be intentional. You got to be runners. 
You got to run after God. You got to be God chasers. One of the things that my friend Jim Simbola said the other day, he said he had a pastor come to his church when he first started pastoring the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. And he said, Jim, if you're, he said, at your church, you're going you're to have three groups of people. And 35 years later, he said, this is so true. He said, you'll, have, you'll always have three groups of people come to your church. The first is church people. They're all about the church. You know, when did you get saved? Well, I go to First Baptist Church of Winchester. You know, they never, they never talk about how Jesus saved. It's all about the church. And I've said many times, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like hanging out in a garage doesn't make you a car. There has to be a transformation. There has to be intentionality about asking Jesus Christ to come into your life and then being transformed and growing in the grace and knowledge because that's a picture of what many churches look like today. And then the second group of people that come to your church, they're all about the groups. They're all about denominations. They're all about this persuasion, that persuasion. They're all about, oh, I'm in the word over here. Don't tell me about the Holy Spirit. And then people get away with the Holy Spirit. They get away from the word. They're just flying off on the rails. He said, you leave it up to those two groups of people. You may have the same asylums and cemeteries. He says, but, but he says, he says, there are a lot of group people, you know, political group people, you know, racially minded uh, group people, even Bible study people. Where they're all about the Bible study. Let's do this study. Let's do that study. Let's do this study. Let's learn about this. Let's learn about that. But there's no transformation. There's no healing. There's no marriages going to the next level. The major root problems, the major change, life change isn't happening. So you got to ask yourself the question, what am I getting out of this study if I'm not being changed from the inside out? I mean, we're learning about this. We're learning about that. You know, what's, let's learn what the Greek word for biscuit is today. It's, you ready for this? Crackabarileo. That's what it is. <laughs> Isn't that fun to say, crackabarileo? Now go home and be mean to your spouse, and tomorrow we'll learn about Satan. You know, so you don't want to be in the study. Like, you want, to, you want to be where the action is. And he says, if you're blessed, if you're really blessed, you'll have kingdom-minded people come to your church. And I believe that's what we have here. We have a bunch of kingdom-minded people. You know, kingdom-minded, kingdom-guided, spirit-filled people are so filled with the spirit of God that they always have a kingdom focus. And they always have a kingdom mission that they're trying to live out. They're runners for God with enlarged hearts that know if they want to get close to God, they have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. You see, kingdom-minded people know that their relationships are the benchmark for what type of legacy they're going to leave behind. Kingdom-minded and kingdom-guided people are extremely intentional about their marriages. Ask any kingdom-minded person, and they'll tell you that their marriage is their number one ministry above all else. They're intentional about their marriages. They know that people are watching their marriages. They know that their best sermons are going to be how they treat each other, how they treat their spouses in front of others, and especially when no one else is looking. They have short-term goals. They have long-term goals. And they're very strategic and intentional about following through on them. Friends, I got to tell you, when my wife introduced me to Jesus Christ, 
I witnessed several things I've never seen or experienced ever in my life. And it radically changed and it radically saved me. It was a moment in my life I'll never forget. See, I saw love like I've never seen before that day. I saw grace like I've never seen before that day. I saw Jesus like I've never seen before that day. And then I was able to see my wife like I've never seen her before on that day. It was the first time I truly fell in love because I was loved. I was forgiven. And the Bible says those that have been forgiven much, they love much. Friends, I got to tell you, you can't love it until you receive the love that only God has for you that comes through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. You have no capacity to love because that's what love. He invented the idea of love. He is love. And I had no capacity to love until love came down when I opened up my heart and accepted Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, there is no love without Jesus enlarging our hearts. I heard the voice of God that night, clear as day. The night I gave my life to Jesus, he said, go fight for your family. Now go fight for your family. And of all my ministry assignments, and I've had many, never has there been as loud, as stern, as powerful, as clear of a message from my Lord to me as of the assignment of now go fight for your marriage. That was the night I told God, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do just as long as I know it's you. And the only thing that made sense to me was to run that hard to God as I ran from God. And I saw God supernaturally enlarge Carolyn's heart that night. I wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here today. And I knew that God enlarged my heart that night. And he's been stretching it ever since. See, friends, I got to tell you, we're intentional about our marriage. We have specific goals for our marriage. Our goal, you want to know what some of them are? I'll tell you. Thanks for asking. Our goal is to love each other more today than we did yesterday, every day of our marriage. And our goal for the last day we see each other is to be more in love with each other than on any other day in our lives. And by the grace of God, we're on our way. We're not perfect, but we're on our way. And what we do is we have specific goals, like getting away on date nights, getting away, making time, getting away from ministry. It's important. And I believe this. As air is essential to breathing, I believe grace marriage is as essential to take our marriages to levels we can never dream possible doing it on our own. All of us, Pastor Steve, Sue, our staff, so many couples who call COS home all have to face this giant. You ready for this giant that comes to take us out? A giant of complacency, reaching a cruise control level in our relationship where we're just surviving, where we're just getting along. Oh, our marriage is okay. Oh, we got the year planned out. No time for grace marriage. Too busy with the kids. Too busy at church. Got another Bible study. See, I have to guard against a stagnant and complacent spirit that wants me to cruise in my relationship with, with God, which ultimately affects my marriage. And here's the thing about marriages, and ask anyone who's been married a long period of time. Marriage takes work and intentionality to make adjustments 
You have to make adjustments. You have to learn some things as you go. Why is that? Well, life is like a nationwide commercial. It just comes at you fast, right? Trouble comes knocking at your door in a moment's notice. Hello, my name is cancer. My name's a pink slip. My name's COVID. My name is a child that doesn't want to see you anymore, that's run away. So we evolve, we change. And as we change, we have to be strategic and intentional about making those adjustments that come knocking at our door. We have to have a plan. I want to ask you today, what's your plan? Do you have a plan? And men, I want to talk to you. Men, we got to pay attention. I'm always being told, you got to pay attention to the details. We got to pay attention to what's going on with our wives. Because sometimes we just pick up on things a little slower than we should at times. For example, I learned a valuable lesson one scary night in Illinois that still haunts me to this day. Scary night. And for my fault, it's my fault, I didn't do the research on it. I should have done the research on it, but I didn't. So I overheard in certain conversations that at some point in a woman's life that she would get or experience this strange, puzzling sensation that would take over her body unexpectedly. And if it, were, if it were ever to happen, they would not have any control over it. That's all the information I got at the time. Nothing more, nothing less. And I should have researched it. I should have got more information. And then in, in my overhearing of these conversations, I get the official term for this certain phenomenon. And my first thought, being the Rhodes Scholar that I am, is that whoever came up with this term for this condition got to be a genius. And when I heard about hot flashes, I thought to myself, this is amazing. This is going to take our relationship to a whole new level. Hot flash. I'm thinking, you know, pre-apple garden, paradise, sex, no clothes, no shame dates all the time. All, you know, hot flashes, you know, hot flashes. Not, not, that wasn't a hot flash. I was so wrong on this. And here's how it went down on this dreadful night. There she was in the kitchen. I don't know what happened. She's having this hot flash, and I thought, I'm just going to come up behind her and console her, just hug her, right? And out of my sweet wife comes, comes this southern Linda Blair accent, and this thing came out of her, and these exact words were, were spoken. And she said, step away from the vehicle. You know, just like that. <laughs> and in the shock of, of having, I don't know what I witnessed that night. An out-of-body experience, demon possession, fright night. I don't know. I ran. I froze. I, I wanted to run. I wanted to rent an Airbnb. This is how Airbnb started. You know, if Gump was here... He would say, that's how Airbnb started, just like that. Because <laughs> that's not what they meant. You know, you know what it means now, but in the original, when they first started, it means airhead boys, nincompoops, and buffoons who need rooms. So, man, we got to pay attention. So here's how it happened. So all this happens in a matter of seconds, okay? 
And I kid you not, I thought I heard this sound after she said, step away from the vehicle. I heard like a truck backing up. Boop, boop, boop. And I backed up and I never got close again. And I never will. So we got to be intentional. We have to be on fire. And on a serious note, and that's serious stuff there. It's not the giants and major issues that wreck marriages. It's the normal grind of doing life without a plan and intentionality that takes marriages out. You know, there were so many things we had to work out. We're still working things out thanks to a great loving church like COS, thanks to a great ministry like Grace Marriage. See, Grace Marriage helps me stay on fire in my relationship with God and in my relationship with Carolyn. You know, there were so many things we had to work out in the beginning when we first started dating. Even now we have to work out stuff, things like cultural differences. I grew up in East Harlem, New York City with a crazy Italian family. Carolyn grew up in Clay County, Manchester, Eastern Kentucky. It was like an episode of Saturday Night Fever meets Petticoat Junction. Remember that show? Bobby Joe, Billy Joe, Betty Joe, Uncle Joe. That's crazy. That guy from New York remembers all the cast characters on Petticoat Junction, right? That's why I married someone from Clay County. And then there's me, Tony Monero from Saturday Night Fever, you know. I don't know nothing. I had the, you know, the big New York accent back then. And I'll tell you what they do. I don't know whether this is a secret trick of girls from Eastern Kentucky that, you know, get guys from up east, but... Her mother made the best fried chicken ever, ever. And she would bring this thing home to, to, to campus. We went to school. We met at Eastern Kentucky University. And she gave me some of this fried chicken. I was locked in. I was done. So, I, you know, we don't know. what We're Italians. We're, we're you know, we're like, uh, I don't know, Rocky Balboa. You know, you're not doing anything for the rest of your life. You know, take me home to see your family. Maybe they can make that fried chicken for me, you know. She brings me up to see her family. I've never been there before. I'm living the dream. I'm up in Petticoat Junction. I'm sitting on the table, and I see something on the table I never see before. I've never seen this thing before. It looks enticing. It looks amazing. People are actually drinking it. And again, you would think that I would do the research. You would think I'd ask a question or two. Is it good? Is it great? But back then, we had no iPhone. We had no Siri. It was the dark ages. I had no support team to work with. I'm on my own in a strange land. We didn't even have GPS. We drove around with big maps like that. Remember that? I get to the house, shotgun in every corner of every room. Have you seen this before? She lived in a holler. I don't know what a holler. I grew up Italian. I holler at people. I don't know what a holler is. She grew up in a holler. The holler had a name, Engine Cemetery Road. House on the left, graveyard to the right. I'm thinking this is where they put the dead people after they killed them. They should have called it the Alamo, not Engine Cemetery Road. So back to the dinner table, I'm looking at this bottle of milk. And I'm thinking, I love milk. I grew up drinking milk. All my life, I love milk. And in front of the word milk is this word butter. I'm thinking, I'm from New York. I love butter. This has got to be a great combination, right? 
This has got to be fantastic. So I said, I said, give me a swig of that. I take a drink of that. Psh, I spit it out. And everybody. I said, this is rotten. This is terrible. They actually played a trick on me. But they loved me from day one. I've loved them. They're the most amazing family. Uh, and I just want to say this to you. Even though our Father loves us with an everlasting love, our love for him and our love for our marriages can never get to a lukewarm, stagnant, or complacent state. Jesus said this. He wrote this letter to the church of Laodicea in Revelation. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is for all of us, married or not. But one of the lessons, one of the video lessons for this year's curriculum that will help you answer the question of how hot, cold, or lukewarm your marriage is, is something that the founders of Grace Marriage put together for this year's uh, course, and I want you to check this out. Picture yourself standing by a big lake. And when you get in that lake, you can't sink. You try to go underwater, but you can't. Your body almost acts like a big beach ball. But in that water, there's virtually zero life. There's no fish, there's no seaweed, nothing. Still, stagnant, salty water. Well, that describes a dead sea. Water pools, it gets so stagnant that virtually nothing can live in it and stagnancy leads to death. And this applies to marriage because stagnant marriages are really dangerous and we all have to fight it. And we've all been there. You may be there right now. And we know we have an enemy that's looking around for stagnant marriages because he knows that's a great place to attack. It is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day of life and let our marriages become stagnant. Okay, so think about it. What pulls you away from focusing on your marriage? For me, it's all the demands of just the day-to-day -day stuff like parenting and work and taking care of our home. And if I'm not careful, I can work really hard in everything that I'm doing but still have a stagnant marriage. Why? Because taking care of the day-to-day -day stuff does not pour directly into my marriage. Did you catch that? The fact that I'm getting things done does not necessarily inject life into our marriage. Last winter, I started to fill a plastic bucket with wood for the fireplace. It was our first fire of the year. And as I reached down to pick up the bucket, I noticed a nasty smell. I realized water had been sitting in the bottom of that bucket for months. And I thought, if you want something to stink and to die, just let it sit. And in marriage, if you want a stagnant and temporary marriage, it's very easy. All you have to do is nothing. Stagnancy is a risk for all of us, regardless of the season of life you're in. One young couple left Grace Marriage and said the kids have taken over our lives and we've quit enjoying each other. An older couple in their 70s said, we're just doing life side by side. In the book of Proverbs, it weighs in on this very issue. It says the complacency of fools destroys them. Complacency robs, then it destroys life, and then it destroys the marriage. 
And if you quit working on something, decline occurs. I know a couple personally. They had a pretty common progression in their relationship. They met, they had a blast together. They could talk for hours on the phone. They thought of each other all of the time. They had a strong physical attraction for one another. Within a short period of time, they knew they wanted to spend their lives together. Well, they started pretty well. Then life started getting a little bit more complicated. Work got busier. Then kids came into the picture. Over time, they slowly started to spend less time together. Phone calls went from conversations to quick directives. They had less intentional dates. They talked less at home. When they dated and were first married, he would notice her a lot and compliment her. Well, he got stressed. They settled into the house. He quit noticing her. He quit complimenting her. Their typical night looked a lot like this. They would work really hard to get everything done. On most nights, one of them had to run one of the kids to a practice or to a game. On the nights that they were together, they were tired. And they would either watch a show together, or he'd watch one show in one room, and she'd watch another in another. Well, he was in a job he didn't like. He felt pretty flat. He felt tired. He was pretty bored. He wasn't really happy with his life, but he thought at least things are okay in my marriage. And then, one day at work, a coworker noticed her and said, you look great today. She was like, I do? She felt lonely, tired, and unappreciated. She felt isolated and life seemed like no fun at all. Plus, she felt unattractive and hated looking in the mirror. She felt that work and kids had taken the life out of her and she felt that her age had taken the beauty out of her. The next day, the same coworker told her what a great job she'd done on a project. The compliments were like a magnet that were drawing her to the sky. And these two slowly got closer and closer. And there was one fun part of her life and that was hanging out with this new guy. And within a few months, the unthinkable happened. She was in an affair and she had decided to leave her marriage. Her husband was bored, she was lonely, and their marriage was stagnant. How do we know if we're stagnant? I want you to listen to these questions and answer them in your mind. Would either of you say your marriage is stale, dull, or boring? Would either of you say your marriage has just settled into a routine? Do you feel like you're growing in your marriage? Are you feeling closer and closer to one another? Are you enjoying each other more and more? So how do we fight stagnancy over these things Brad just asked? First, we've got to pursue the Lord. You cannot offer life where you aren't pursuing the life giver. Scripture tells us Christ came to bring life and life to the full. So Christ can bring life to our marriages. So first we have to pursue Christ. We have to pray. Pray, how can I bring life to my spouse and my family and my marriage? You know that story Marilyn and I shared about that couple earlier? They got together and they decided, we're going to save our marriage. They decided, we're going to work together, we're going to survive, and we're going to break this cycle of stagnancy. She left the affair. She quit her job. They started going on a date once a week. Yes, it was really hard to overcome the pain that came along with unfaithfulness and guilt, but they made it. And after six months of going on a date once a week, they both agreed our marriage is now the best it has ever 
spin. Neither one of them were bored and neither felt isolated. Think about where you are in your marriage right now. What are some ways that you can bring life to your marriage? You can schedule fun things. You can do cool stuff together. You can take time to intentionally talk every day. You can choose to invest creative energy and resources into your marriage. You can choose to have sex regularly and keep your sex life fun and exciting. Importantly, both of you commit and just say, if our marriage ever gets stagnant, I will take the lead, I will love, and I will bring life. You know that older couple I was talking about in Grace Marriage earlier? They said they are now enjoying each other again. They said, we are committed to more than just making it till we die. We're committed to growing closer and closer together every year. If you will take the time to invest in your marriage, you'll be excited about bringing life to your spouse and to others. You'll have things on your schedule that you look forward to. Your marriage will be deep and satisfying. When we fight stagnancy, it is a ton of fun. Let's face it, life can be really hard and bringing life to our marriages makes the hard a whole lot more tolerable. I couldn't agree more. I love getting away from life and just enjoying Maryland. Like Song of Solomon talks about, marriage can be an oasis in the desert. It doesn't have to be the Dead Sea. And we pray that you have a blast together. So let's keep life flowing into our spouses and our marriages. And that's why marriage is worthy of a great investment. You know, marriage is to be the best reflection of a relationship between Christ and his church. Our most important horizontal relationship should be prioritized and invested in. It's that important. You know, people should watch believers be married. They should watch your marriage and as a result, be drawn to Jesus and marriage. So here's some facts about this year's Grace Marriage coaching sessions. They're on Saturdays, June 5th, July 17th, August 28th, October 16th. The dates are in your outline, so you don't have to write them down. It's just from 8.15 to 12.30. It's a half a day. Got the whole day afterwards. It's just four hours. And it's just four Saturdays. Husbands and wives get together with other couples. The sessions are called marriage coaching. And marriage coaching is an intentional and proactive approach to refocus on positives in your relationships. It's not a lecture. Not going to hear from a teacher. We've got a curriculum that all the couples will work through. It's not group therapy. It's not a place where you're going to share your deepest secrets. You know, typically for churches, you have pre-marriage counseling and then triage when you get in trouble. This is so you don't have to go to triage. Quite simply, it's a biblically-based marriage maintenance model that can revolutionize your relationship. All couples uh, can benefit. Young couples, older couples, the cost... I don't, I don't even like saying the cost. It's just $200. 
just $200. It, it includes all your workbooks. It includes snacks and, uh, and all four sessions. Uh, you can pay in the lobby. You can go online and register. We'll have a table out there. My wife and I will be out there. We'll be glad to talk to you. We'll be glad to pray with you and for you. Other people are going to be praying with and for you here as well too. But just think about this. Don't look at the cost. Ask yourself, is my marriage worth $200? Is it worth that investment? A couple nights out will cost you $200. And I want to encourage you to consider uh, investing in your marriage. Uh, anyone can attend, all couples. You don't even have to be from this church. If you want to invite other couples to be a part of it, they can. If you're dating, if you're a couple that's dating or engaged, this would be a great thing to go to as well too. So how do you sign up? First of all, also I want to let you know there's not going to be any child care because that's too long a period of time. You can register online. You go to our great website. You can go to our new phone app. You can just sign up in the lobby, uh, and you can pay. You can make a check out to Church of the Savior. You can drop it off at the table. You don't have to give it today. You can bring it uh, to the first session. Uh, listen, if you need to make other arrangements or if money is an issue, Pastor Steve is loaded. <laughs> On, seriously, we don't want money to be the one thing that keeps you from coming to Grace Marriage. I already had a couple of people come up to me and say, I want to give a little extra uh, for couples that if money is an issue so that they can be a part of grace marriage. And that's pretty awesome. So there are people here that are investing in marriages and they know that this is an important ministry. So we don't want money to be an issue. We don't want money to be a cost. There's a deadline. You can sign up up until the end of the month because we've got to, we've got to purchase the materials up front. And the groups, we expect the groups to be full. Now, here's the deal. All that information is in your handout, plus I've got, we'll be at the table outside. You know what I found? If you want to do something well, find someone else that does it better. And then find a bunch of people that want to be better at that same thing and collaborate your efforts in order to achieve exponential results. That's what I want to do. That's what people do at Grace Marriage. You know, last year, before Christmas, from the summer to the spring, I kept on saying, my check engine light keeps coming on. Had a lot of things wrong with me physically. Just high blood pressure, cholesterol, all these things. I was a little overweight. And I, I, I needed a plan. I needed to find someone who does it better than I do. So I, can, I contacted my good friend, Joe Oligas, who has like a weight loss deal. He's, he's, a, he's an expert at it. He's a pro at it. Hundreds of people around the country do it. I said, Joe, you got to give me a plan. You got to help me. And so I went all in and I've lost 60 pounds. My goal was to get to my college weight and I'm five pounds away from my college weight. Because when your scale says one at a time, please, when you get on it, you got to do something, right? <laughs> Listen, many of your marriages, the check engine light has come on and you've not paid attention to it. And I think it's time to pay attention to that check engine light. You know, keep driving that car where that check engine light stays on, it's eventually gonna break down. I wanna let you know that 
you have a choice. You can have a Dead Sea marriage buried at the bottom of a Dead Sea that Brad and Marilyn were talking about, or you can have a resurrected, life-giving, because when Jesus comes, when Jesus shows up in your marriage, he, he said, I've come that you may have life and life abundantly. Jesus wants to give you an abundant marriage. We have an abundant marriage. We love, our, we love being married. I love being married to that woman. And I love that God uses our marriage as a demonstration of his grace. So I was preparing for this message this week, and Brad's video popped up out of nowhere on my desk. And then right after that, I got, I got a news flash from the New York Post of this story. And here's the headlines. Historic Mexican church rises from the water after 40 years. There was a town in, in Mexico uh, that they built a dam and destroyed this whole town. And the whole town was submerged underwater. And recently there was a drought. And the church that was submerged on the water, this actual building resurrected, came up out of the water. Can you, I mean, look at it. I mean, you can't believe this stuff. I mean, and it said that this, it said due to the drought, it brought this historic church back into the sunlight, back into the sunlight. So here's the deal. Where are you in your marriage? No matter where you are, whether it's going great, whether it's down here, whether it's up here, anywhere in the middle, you're a great candidate to invest in it, to take it to a whole new level. And I want to encourage you to invest in grace marriage. I'm going to ask you to do something different this morning. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask all the men to take the lead on this. If you're with your spouse or a significant other, I'm going to ask you, as we worship God and declare our love for him and we sing about his love for us, I want to invite you to take your spouse, bring her up here, and ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do with this year's grace marriage, of how he wants you to invest in your marriage. Or maybe there's a check engine light coming on. You need some help. There's people that'll pray for you. But just come up here. Take the lead. And just encounter the one who can redeem everything, even from the bottom of a dead sea. Because that's what God wants to do with your marriage. Come forward as we worship. Be encouraged today.
know, the Bible starts with the wedding. The first miracle of Jesus is at a wedding. Basically, the Bible ends with a wedding that we're all invited to. Why not make your marriage a Bible story worth reading that other people will see it and be drawn to Jesus? No matter where you are in your marriage. And like I said earlier, I'll be outside. If you're in a hurry today, because it's Mother's Day and moms, you rock. God bless you. We love you. Uh, you can go on our website. You can go on our app. By the way, we have a cool website and a cool app. My teammate Susie put that together, and it's phenomenal. If you haven't been to the, if you haven't downloaded a new app yet, you need to do that. It's just an easy way. And Grace Marriage is right on the front page. You can just sign up there, but invest in your marriage. And like I said, it starts with Jesus enlarging our heart. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and leader and Savior of your life, that's where it starts. That's where love starts. If you're here today, you say, that's me. I've never loved like that. I've never had an enlarged heart because I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Here's how you do that. You just pray a prayer that I'll lead you in right now and say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you, myself, everyone else. I repent of those sins, and I trust in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins. And I trust you to be my Lord and Savior. I open up my heart, my life to you. I just want to live for you, and I, I want to love like you love me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me today so that I can have an enlarged heart and love well. And at the end of my life, be welcome home to that great banquet. If you prayed that prayer, please come forward. Let us know that you prayed that prayer. And if you need prayer for anything, we'll have people that will pray for you today. So please step out quietly. We'll be at, me and Carolyn will be outside. And whatever you need prayer for, whatever's going on, Come forward. It's an honor to pray for you. And God bless you on this Mother's Day.